ready on my second. Good to go. Okay, good morning. Uh, today's daf is daf uh, Kofalef, uh, 101, but we're going to start on daf at the Mishnah, I believe, the uh, rough left off. Okay. Hamimaenes, Hashnia, Vailanes, Einlehem, Ksuba. A uh, girl who performs Mion, Hashnia, um, which is Shnia, as we know from Yavamis, is the people that are not the primary category of Arias, but because they were concerned that people might come to marry someone who is a primary Araya, uh, one of the primary Arias, therefore we say that that is a marriage that's not allowed. The islandess, an islandess is a woman who is born incapable of having children. We've encountered all of these three characters before. Ein uh, they don't have a Ksuba. The reason they don't have a Ksuba is slightly different for each one. The Mima'enes, the Mima'enes doesn't get a ksuba, so Mima'enes is a woman, uh, I'm sorry, a girl whose father died. Uh, now, father can marry her off Midaraisa, but if her father died, her uh, mother or older brother can marry her off for the purposes of protecting her. And uh, But she has a right at any point to say she doesn't want to be married to him. But if she chooses to exercise that right, um, then she's not entitled to a ksuba because basically she chose to leave. Uh, we don't have the parallel uh, in in the case of uh, a, a real marriage that where a woman can't just uh, get up and leave, uh, but in this marriage she can. So therefore, if she chooses to leave, she forfeits her ksuba. The shnia, the reason the shnia forfeits, I'm sorry, okay, uh, today's daf yomi is uh, sponsored by uh, Abby Applebaum in memory of her aunt Rose Weiss, Rezel Basavram, Zichron Lebracha, her limitar should be a schus for her neshama. Okay, so uh, a shnia, a shnia is some uh, the shnia in this case because she was not supposed to get married to this person, so the marriage was an iser. So therefore, as a penalty, she loses her ksuba. That's the reason she doesn't have a ksuba. The islandess, an islandess, is a totally different rationale, and again, it's one we've encountered before, which is that if the husband would have known that he was marrying a woman who's incapable of bearing a child, he wouldn't have married her, and therefore, uh, therefore. It's a mekachtos, and there's actually no kiddushin at all. The entire kiddushin is a mekachtos and is batal. But for all of, for each of them, for their separate reason, they don't have a ksuba. Below perus, peru, this one is a little bit complicated because perus we typically think of as something that the uh, that the husband enjoys, not the wife. So in fact, Rashi explains Rashi has two pshatim. One would be that it's not so much the perus; it's what comes for the perus. So we know that a uh, that 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 she gives her peros that come off of her nifse milug in exchange for the fact that he's going to redeem her if she ever gets captured. So what it's saying, when it says below peros, it means that these three women are not entitled to be redeemed if they're captured. Rashi's second shot is that there is a, um, that basically that she has no right, even though it turns out that the marriage is batal, or that she doesn't get a ksuba, she doesn't have a right to go after him and say, during the time we were married, you were eating the paris of my nichsa milug, and you should pay me back now. So he doesn't have to. But again, uh, what we're getting at here in the next couple of cases is that not only does she not have a ksuba, she doesn't have tanai ksuba. So one of the tanai ksuba is that the husband will redeem her if she's, if she's captured, if she's uh, locked up. And so he does not have that obligation. And in fact, if she were to be captured, uh, he would not need to go uh, and redeem her. Velomazonos, he doesn't have to support her either, again, because that's a Tanai Ksuba, it's part of the Ksuba, and since she doesn't have a Ksuba, she doesn't have that Mazonos. Velovlaos, Velovlaos, we've encountered again before, are the leftover uh, pieces of, uh, of clothing. 
so it's saying that ordinarily a woman would get back these things, and this is talking about uh, well, we'll see. We're going to talk about whether this is talking about nifsei milug or nifsei tzombarzel, but it's basically saying she loses the right to get back uh, those those pieces of clothing. And we're going to get into. There's going to be variation between the three cases here as to how it relates to this statement. Okay, so that's the first part. It says these three women they don't have a ksuba, they don't have tanai ksuba. Now the Mishnah qualifies this halacha uh, as it relates to islandis at least. It says in mitchila. If from the very beginning, when he got married to her, he knew she was an islandess, and he chose to get married to her anyway, then she does have a ksuba. Because we said before, the reason an islandess is knocked out in this case is because it's a mekachtos. If the guy would have known that she was an islandess, he wouldn't have married her, therefore the kedushin is bato. But since in this case, we're saying if he did know she was an islandess and he married her, then it's a regular marriage, she's fully entitled to a ksuba. Now the Mishnah continues and says... Amana lekoin gadol, and Amana marries a koin gadol. Grusha v'chalutza lekoin hediyot, or Grusha v'chalutza marries a regular koin. And we know uh, both of those marriages are aser. And Amana can't marry a uh, koin gadol, can't marry an Amana. A koin can't marry Grusha v'chalutza. Mamzeres and Nesina liYisrael. If a mamzeres or a Nesin or a Nesina mar- uh, gets married to uh, a Jew or Bas Yisrael, the daughter of a Jew, a Jewish girl marries Linasin or a mamzer, gets married to a Nesin or a mamzer. Yeshlehem Ksuba, they do have a Ksuba. And Rashi reminds us of what we learned in Yavamas, the reason for the distinction. Why Why is it that the Shnia, the Shnia is a case where it's a secondary Arias, where we say that in order not to come come to be Nichol and regular Avon Arias, you have the Shnia. So why is it that in that case she forfeits her Ksuba, but in all of these cases where an Amana marries a Kohen Gadol, Grush Vachalutz, a Kohen Hedyot, someone marrying a Mamzer, which are also illegitimate marriages, why in that case do we say they have a ksuba? And the reason for it is because Chazal tried to figure out who is likely to have convinced who to enter into this wrongful marriage. So in the case of a shnia, there's no consequence to her of getting married to this guy. She's not pasalukahuna, kahuna, her children aren't pasalukahuna, nothing happens to her. So therefore we assume that a woman wants to get married and she convinced the man to marry her. However, in the in the latter cases of the Mishnah, all of those cases, the woman herself becomes Pasolokuhuna and her children become Pasolokuhuna. So there's a consequence to her for the marriage. There's no consequence to the man per se. So therefore, we assume in that case that the man is the one who convinced the woman to get married in this wrongful marriage. So in the first case where it was the woman, the Shnia, we, we uh, penalize her by taking away her Ksuba. In the latter case, where it was the man who convinced the woman to get into this marriage, so we don't take away her ksuba because he's the one who did something wrong more than her. Okay, that's our Mishnah. So now we're going to have a machlokas in understanding uh, exactly what our Mishnah is saying. So we're going on the part uh, where it talks about Mimayanes, and again, a Mimayanes is the girl who does Mion. So Rav Tani, Rav learned in the Mishnah, Kitana Yotza Beget, uh, if you have this same case where this girl was married off by her mother or brothers, but instead of her performing mion, uh, the, the husband decided he didn't want her anymore, so he gave her a get. So he gave a get to his kitana wife, his underage wife. So ain't la ksuba, in that case that uh, she has no ksuba in the case of get, the kosha came mimaenes, and for sure where she left. So in other words, ksuba is a protection for the woman. If she is a katana. We're saying the husband can send her away without a ksuba. If he can send her away without a ksuba when he just doesn't feel like being married to her anymore, surely if she walks out on him, he doesn't have to pay her a ksuba because uh, she exercised that right. It's not his responsibility. So Rav's learning 
both in the case of a get by a katana and mion, she loses her ksuba. Shmuel Tani Bashmuel learns, which is actually the language we have in our Mishnah, Mima'enes ain't laksuba. In the case where she performs Mion, she loses her ksuba because she chose to walk out on him and walk out on this marriage. Avoyotza beget, but if he divorces her, yesh laksuba. She should have a ksuba because basically Shmuel understands that this is a actual real marriage, obviously midrabanan, because midraisa only the father can marry her off, but Shmuel understands it to be a real marriage and therefore. If she walks out on him with Mion, she loses it because why should he have to pay her ksuba? She chose to walk out. But if he chooses to walk out on her by giving her get, in that case, he would need to pay the ksuba according to Shmuel. And we're going to say, Va'az Shmuel, Shmuel goes according to his reason. Damar Shmuel, because Shmuel says, Mima'enes, this is a, another b'risa, and we're going to see as he explains it that Shmuel holds the same thing. Mima'enes ain't laksuba. If she does mion, there's no ksuba. Yotza beget. But if, she, if uh, he divorces her, yesh laksuba, that's halacha we just said. Mima'enes. If she's a mima'enes, that she does mion, lo pasl achim. She doesn't become usher to his brothers. Lo pasl kuhuna. She doesn't become pasl to kuhuna. What is this talking about? In other words, we know that, a man, uh, that, that someone cannot marry his brother's former wife. So let's say someone's brother was married to this uh, underage girl, and she does mion. Mion goes retroactive as if they were never married. So therefore, it's treated as if she was never married to this man. She could subsequently ma- marry his brother. Similarly, since the mion just takes out the kiddushim from the beginning, she's not considered a divorced woman, and therefore she can marry a kohen. So again, mion is a retroactive thing. It's as if they were never married. Yotza beget, but according to Shmuel, that if he went out with a get, because this is a real marriage, albeit midrabanan, so therefore, just like a regular marriage, she can no longer marry his brothers, she's puzzle from kahuna. And then uh, Shmuel gives a final distinction, if a girl does, she does not need to wait three months, but if she goes out with a get, she needs to wait three months. Now what is that talking about? We've encountered this concept also many times, is that we have this issue that if a woman gets divorced, or her husband dies, whatever, she has to wait three months uh, before she can get remarried, because we say Suffolk, uh, it's a question, if she has a baby, we're not going to know, is it a short-term pregnancy from the second husband, or it's a continuing pregnancy from the first, Uh, so since there's that doubt, we don't let her get married, but we've learned that uh, Chazal were worried that if we let some marriages, let's say you have a marriage, a case, this is a good example, a case of a katana, is a marriage where we know a katana can't become pregnant, so the question is, so what do you need this takana for? We're not worried that we're not going to know whose baby it is because she couldn't have had a baby. So why does she have to wait three months? Chazal made a takana and said, cross the board, Mishum lo plug, that nobody can get married within three months. So what Shmuel is saying, though, is that, that takana, Mishum lo plug, counts even for a katana because she's married, albeit she can't have children, but big deal. But Shmuel is saying, but a girl who does mion, since that's considered as if she was never married, and there's no real concern that she could be pregnant because she's a katana, so Shmuel is saying that takana doesn't apply to her. So what you see from all of these cases is that Shmuel considers uh, the marriage of a katana to be like a regular marriage. Okay, so we have this distinction. Rav learns both mion and katana that goes out with a get don't have a ksuba, and Shmuel says mion, no ksuba, but katana does have a ksuba because it's a real marriage. Albeit Midrabana. So the Gemara asks, second line, what, what's the, what are we learning from this from, uh, from Shmuel? Tanina Kulahu. We already learned all of these things in a Mishnah. Which Mishnah? It's actually going to be two Mishnahis. Be'ish. If a woman does mion with her husband, 
he's allowed to marry her relatives. She's allowed to marry his relatives. And she's not puzzle min hakuna. So, uh, so you see, you see, because that's a case of mian mian uh, is okay the kedushim from the in the first place. So it's not considered a real marriage, and therefore she doesn't. Be, they don't become usher in each other's relatives, and she doesn't become puzzle of kuna. Nothing la get, but if he gives her a get when she's a katana, who usher bekrovaseha vihi asur bekrovav? They're usher in each other's relatives. The puzzle min hakuna, and she's puzzle min hakuna. Uh, so therefore, we see from these, this Mishnah over there, uh, we see both the case of relatives and we also see the case of Psul Menachuna. From our Mishnah, additionally, we see, um, I'm sorry, so, so we, see, we see this, we see this, uh, we see both of these in a Mishnah. Uh, so why is it, what is it that, what is it that Shmuel was teaching us um, when it said, uh, when he taught us these halachas? We already know it from a Mishnah. So the Gemara answers, um, the reason what Shmuel added here was this halacha about that a, a girl who does mian does not need to wait three months, but a girl who's divorced from her when she's a katana from her husband does need to wait three months. So it's saying that was the Chiddush of Shmuel. You're right, the other stuff was learned from a Mishnah, but the Chiddush of Shmuel is about the three months. And once Shmuel was teaching us that, he taught us also the other distinctions that we already knew from other Mishnahis. So that's the Chiddush of Shmuel. I'm sorry, so Gimel Chadashim Mitzrichalei, the light Tanan. He was, uh, we needed it for the three months because that was not learned in a Mishnah. Okay, so now we have this Machlokas Rav and Shmuel. Rav is saying that, that there is no distinction between divorce and Mian, and Shmuel is saying there is, there is a distinction. So Lema Ketanai, maybe we could say that this Machlokas between Rav and Shmuel is really like a Machlokas Tanai. Rabbi Lazar, I mean, Rabbi Lazar says, Ain Maisa Ketana Klum. If a Ketana does something, it, it, a marriage, it, it's meaningless. Ain Baila Zakoi B'Mitziyasa. That uh, the husband doesn't get to keep the fines, things that she finds, he doesn't get to take. Vlo masayadeha, he doesn't get her earnings. Vlo bahafaris nedareha, he can't be made for her nedarim, he can't reject her nedarim. All of these are rights that a husband has. Veina yarsha, he doesn't uh, inherit her. Veina metamala, and as we know, a coin can't be metame to, uh, to regular people, but there's seven krovim he has to be metame to. She, even though wife is one of the seven krovim, he cannot be metame to her because. This is not a real marriage. The rule of this thing is, She's not like his wife in any matter, except that if she wants to go walk and go do something else and marry someone else, she would need to do miyam. But basically, you see from Rabbi Eliezer that, that uh, a, a marriage of a minor is, is meaningless. Rabbi Shua, Rabbi Shua says, The maise of a, of a katana is worth something. And therefore, this marriage is a real marriage, albeit the husband is entitled to the things that she finds. He can keep a masiyadeh, he gets her earnings, he can be made for her nidar and viyarsha, he, uh, he inherits her, and he has to be metame to her if she, if she dies. The rule of the matter is, she's his wife in all matters. It's the only difference between her and a regular marriage is that she has this option to walk out, as long as she's a katana, through mion. So, Therefore, we see this machlok is between Rabbi Lazar and Rabbi Yeshua. The Rabbi Lazar says, Maisekatana is meaningless, and Rabbi Yeshua says, it's meaningful. So, we should say that Rav, who said that it doesn't make a difference whether it's Mian or Get, Ain Laksuba, she loses her Ksuba, is like Rabbi Lazar, who says that Maisekatana is meaningless. Shmuel, the Amr Rabbi Yeshua, and Shmuel says like Rabbi Yeshua, because he holds that it is a meaningful marriage, and that's why Mian, she loses her Ksuba, because she chose to walk out on the marriage. But divorce... 
uh, she shouldn't lose it because it's a real marriage, it's a Rabbanan marriage. So the Gemara says, not so fast. Aliba the Rebbe Lazar Kuli You're right. Uh, both Rav and Shmuel will tell you that according to Rebbe Lazar, who says, Maisekatana ain't oklom, that Maisekatana is meaningless, you're right. They both, they both uh, agree, they don't, both don't argue that uh, both a Katana, who did Mion, and one who was Yaitza Begat, would get nothing. In other words, they both agree in Rebbe Lazar that, uh, that according to his view of the world, she would not get a Ksuba, whether it is Mion or uh, whether it is Mion or Get. He pligi, but they do argue, I'll leave it to Rabbi Shua, according to Rabbi Shua. So what he's saying is that don't go so fast and say Rav equals Rabbi Elazar and Shmuel equals Rabbi Yeshua, because Rav will tell you, yes, I'm right according to Rabbi Elazar, but I can even be right according to Rabbi Yeshua. Why? Um, Shmuel, Rabbi Yeshua. We know why Shmuel is like Rabbi Yeshua, because Rabbi Yeshua says it's a meaningful marriage, and Shmuel also says it's a meaningful marriage, and that's why she gets a ksuba when it's a divorce as opposed to a miyam. But Rav can say, that when when Rabbi Yeshua said that it's not consi- that it that it is considered a real marriage, that's only in terms of things that he gets from her. For example, uh, her fines, her earnings to be made for her nedarim to be yarusher. But those aspects of an ordinary marriage that go from him to her, i.e., the payment of the ksuba, low would not be included. So what he's saying is, Rav is saying. Don't go so fast to say that we're like a machlokas tanaim, because Rav would say, according to Rabbi Elazar, it's very clear that I'm right, because he says my sekatan is meaningless, and therefore, whether it is mion or get, it doesn't make a difference, and uh, she gets no ksuba. But he says, even according, to Rabbi, even according to Rabbi Yeshua, I could tell you that when did Rabbi Yeshua say that it's like a real marriage midrabanan is because, is having to do with all the privileges he gets out of marriage. Uh, but not the privileges she gets out of marriage would be ksuba. I can still tell you, even according to Rabbi Yeshua, she should not get ksuba. What would be the rationale of that? Rashi explains that we know what's the whole purpose of Mion. The purpose of Mion, why do we let the mother and the brother marry off the girl? Because we're worried she's going to be an orphan, she's not protected, uh, and unscrupulous men will come and, and uh, seduce her, or, or uh, otherwise, where, you know, so uh, be ma'anis her, etc. So therefore, by marrying this man, we see that we're protecting the young girl. So therefore, the, we, the, the Rav could tell you that when did Rabbi Yeshua say she get, that he gets all those privileges is because he did a favor, so to speak, for society, and the Rabbanon were rewarding him for marrying this young girl and protecting her. But that doesn't make it a real marriage in the sense that, uh, that she would be entitled to Aksuba, because he's basically protecting her. Because of that, he gets the privileges and not her. So in short, the answer is that you cannot establish that uh, Rav and Shmuel's machlokas is, uh, correlates to Rabbi Lezer and Rabbi Yeshua, because Rav would tell you, I work according to both versions. Okay, uh, moving on in the Gemara, the two dots, v'lo v'lo'os. So again, this dealt with the issue of uh, the, the woman, uh, is she entitled to the worn-out clothing? And what the Mishnah was saying is that she's not. She doesn't get the worn-out clothing back. Um, so, so the Gemara says, Amalei Rav Huna Barchila Rav Kahana, Rav Huna Barchia said to Rav Kana, Amrit Lan Mishmei you told us in the name of Shmuel the following statement, Lo Shanu, we didn't learn that she doesn't get back these things, Elo Minichsei Lug, that she doesn't get back the Nichsei Lug, Avon Nichsei Tzom Barzel Isle, but she would get back the property, the Nichsei Tzom Barzel. So let's just remind ourselves, the Nichsei Lug, we've encountered this many, many times, the Nichsei Lug are things that she brings into her marriage, they're not in the ksuba, she owns them throughout the period of the marriage, 
just that he's entitled to the peros from them. The nechse tzombarzel is something where at the beginning of the marriage he commits, I'm going to return it to you, uh, I'm going to return it to you, but if it goes up in value, he gets the benefit of it, if it goes down in value, he, uh, he has to pay the loss. So basically, uh, he's guaranteeing her a set amount in the ksuba. So we're bringing a statement here that says that when she forfeit, when we learn that these three women, a mamaenis, a shni, and an islandis, forfeit their ksuba, and they forfeit the right to get back these clothes, the leftover clothes, they're, they're saying that they forfeit the nixemilug, but they are entitled to the tzom barzel. They are entitled to, the, to, to, to get back those, those things. Now, let's just point out for a moment that this would be opposite of the way we would normally think about it. You would think about it that saying when she gets penalized is that she doesn't get, you would think she doesn't get back the tzom barzel, but nixemilug, which belonged to her throughout, though she should be able to continue to hold. So this is uh, perhaps different than we would intuitively think. When it says they forfeit something, I would think that they forfeit the tzom barzel, but the nixemilug belonged to her throughout. So we're going to try and figure out what does this statement mean. And sorry, this got a little complicated. Okay, Havi Be'er of Papa. Rav Papa was wondering about this and asked, Ahai, on which case in the Mishnah is this statement going that says that she forfeits her nixemilug, but she gets the tzom barzel? If you're saying it's going on the case of the woman who does mion. Okay, so we have, we're going to walk through those three cases. There's mima'enes, shnia, and islandes. And in each case, we're going to try and figure out, are we talking about a case where the nixemilug and the tzom barzel are extant, meaning that they're here, or that they're already disappeared and it's a question of charging in the money? So we're going to say, if we're talking about a case of mion, then if the nixe if the Nixemilug and the Nixem Tzom Barzel are here in front of us, she should be able to take either one. Because in the case of a Mima Enes, she didn't do anything wrong, she just doesn't want to be married to him anymore. So therefore, she has a right to say, I, I, I'm finished with this marriage, but give me back the things that I brought into the marriage, and she just takes them and leaves. Okay, that's fine. If they're not here in front of us, then she shouldn't be entitled to either one. Now, what's the reason she shouldn't be entitled to either one? This requires a little bit of analysis, and Rashi, Rashi walks us through this. So, as relates to the Tzom Barzel, so think about Tzom Barzel. Tzom Barzel is a case where the husband says, I commit to, to return this to you at this value. If it goes up, he benefits. If it goes down, he has to pay, right? But when does he have to pay? So this would be a case, if the next Tzom Barzel are gone, that would mean that he has to pay because he guaranteed her value, and now they're gone. But since she's the one who's walking out on the marriage, he could say, look, yes, I committed if I divorced you, or the guy says if he dies, then I'll pay you the Tzom Barzal. But if you decide to walk out on the marriage, I don't have to pay the Tzom Barzal. So therefore, the Tzom Barzal he wouldn't get. Now, what about the Nixemilug, which are really her property? What if he used it up? So Rashi learns that basically it's implicit when a man marries a Katana that what he's saying is, look, you, Rabbanan, wanted me to marry this girl uh, as a favor to keep her to protect her. I'm willing to do that as long as we treat, I'm not going to get into all the details, but as long as we treat her nixemilug as if they're tzom barzel. And so therefore, uh, the man is going to say, you're walking out on me, even your nixemilug that I might have used up, which theoretically I shouldn't have used up and therefore should pay you, that gets treated like nixem tzom barzel. So if we get divorced, I'll give you even your nixemilug. But if we don't get divorced, I'm not going to give it to you, and since you're walking out, you don't get it. So the Gemara is saying, it can't be talking about a case of mi'un, um, because if it's here, she should take it, and if it's not here, she's not entitled to it. So that's not the case where we say that she forfeits the nixemilug, but not the tzom barzel. 
So Ella Islandess. Maybe we're talking about the case of Islandess. So again, we're going to ask Idis Nahu. If we're talking about a case where the Nixim Milog and the Nixim Tombars all are in front of us, Idvd Shakli. She should be able to take either one because the Islandess is really an unfortunate case. She got married. Now it turns out she can't have children. So the marriage is bottle. Why? Sh- why if the property she brought into the marriage is in front of us, why shouldn't she be able to take it? Of course she should. So therefore she could take it. So Idis Nahu. Now if we're talking about a case where the Nixay Tombarzal and the Nixay Milug are gone, so then, you're right, uh, in that case, there is one case where she should be forfeited, and one case where she shouldn't, but it should be the opposite of what we learned. If Chami Ba'ila, the, the outcome should be the opposite. Nixay Milug, the Bershusa Kaimi Isla. We're going to say that Nixay Milug, which was her properties that she brought into the marriage, were in her, her Rishos. If he used them up, if the husband used up her nixemilug when he wasn't supposed to, he was only supposed to do the peros, and instead he used up the nixemilug, then he should have to pay her for that. Nixemilug, but things that belonged to him, uh, meaning that he only had to guarantee their value if he divorced her. In this case, he found out she was an islandess. If, if, if he would have known from the beginning she was an islandess, he never would have been married to her. So he could say, why should I have to pay the nixemilug? I only committed to guarantee their value if I divorce you. Not if you turn out to be an islandess. The labrishu say kaimi lesla because since they're not hers, it's his. It's really his rishos, and he only has to pay it there when there's a divorce. This is not a divorce. She shouldn't be entitled. So the problem is. So we're saying if if we're talking about an islandess and a case where the nixle milug and the nixle tumbarzal disappeared, you're right that she should get one and not the other, but she should get the nixle milug and she should not get the tumbarzal. But the statement that we're trying to figure out said the opposite. Said that. She forfeits the Nechse Milug, but she gets the Nechse Tzom Barzal. So, so it can't be a case of islandness. So rather, we're going to say that when, the mish, when he said on here that she forfeits the Milug and not the Tzom Barzal, was going on a Shnia, Ella Shnia is going on a Shnia, the Consular Abanan Ledida Bididei, Ledidei Bidida. That Chazal did a Kenas on her and on him. So let's just understand what happened here. So a Shnia is a case of a marriage that should not have happened. They should not have gotten married. They're both culpable for entering into this marriage. So what Chazal did is they say, look, everything she was, this marriage has to end. They have to get divorced. Everything she was going to get as a benefit of marriage, she forfeits. Everything he was going to get as a benefit of marriage, uh, everything he was going to get as a benefit of marriage, he forfeits. So therefore, the mana umasayim, meaning the, the money for the ksuba, mezonos, vlaos, uh, all of these things, so in an ordinary case, a woman should get her own property, her so since in an ordinary case, she would get it, and if the husband used it up, he would have to pay her for it, so therefore, Chazal say, you forfeit that, so she loses her right to her own property, her now he, in turn, has a different right, he has a right to say that, uh, he, and, he has a right to say that I'm entitled to use the whole time we're married, and, but I have to pay you, I have to guarantee it to you if the value is, is reduced. So that's something that she gets from him. She gets from him the guarantee on the Nifsemi Lug. So we're saying, since this is a bad marriage, we're going to kenas you and take away, we're going to kenas you, the woman, and take away your right to get from him the reduction in value of the Tzom Barzal. So we said in the beginning, this seemed to be opposite, and that's exactly what it is, because since Chazal are trying to kenas these people for getting into this marriage, we say, woman, all the rights you are going to get, which is the right to get the reduction in some barzel that he caused, you lose that. And, 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 and all, of the, all of the other rights 
um, that uh, I'm sorry, all the rights that she was going to get, like like Suba Mizonos blows, um, is, is she forfeits? And the fact that he would have had to pay her um, that she, I'm sorry that sorry the fact that in in the in the Nixit Tombarzel that he would have had to guarantee the reduction uh, is also is also lost. So that's the explanation for how uh, what exactly. So when it said this comment about the forfeit the Nixit Milug and not the Nixit Tombarzel was going on this case of Shnia. Okay, we're going to see from this. I'm Rav Shimi Barashi Shmami Nami the Rav Kahana Glima Karna Have that that if he takes her clothing that it is considered Karen and he cannot take her clothing and wear it until it's uh, reduced to nothing. So what is this talking about? In other words, because we're saying in an ordinary marriage, a woman would be entitled. Uh, to come after her husband if he wore her clothes that were nixay milug down to nothing. So we say she forfeits her nixay milug. Uh, he, she forfeits her nixay milug if he took it wrongfully. But in an ordinary marriage, uh, if if he would use up her nixay milug, he would have to pay her for it because uh, in an ordinary marriage she wouldn't forfeit it. So you see from this that if a husband wears a woman's clothing, uh, meaning not woman's clothing literally, but something she brought into the marriage, and remember clothing is not particular; it's any metaltolin. So if a husband uses her property, uh, and in the, course, in the course of ordinary use, it, uh, it, it's dissipated, it's gone, like clothing that becomes ragged, uh, we see that that is not considered peros. The use of an object is not considered peros, it's considered karen. Because we're saying in an ordinary marriage, a man would have to reimburse his wife for using up her kalem, or for taking a piece of clothing and wearing it ragged, wearing it thin. So what do you see? You see that use of an item that diminishes its value is considered a reduction in principle, not a realization of payers. Because he's entitled to payers on Nuxemilug, he's not entitled to the principle. So we're saying if he uses it up, that's considered principle. So we see from there, uh, we see from the fact that uh, from Rev Kahana that he says that a husband would ordinarily have to pay his wife back for that use, you see that uh, wearing something is considered depleting the principle and you have to pay it back. But we learned earlier in the Mesefta of Rav Nachman that Peirahave, that Rav Nachman holds that use of an item is considered peros, is considered the fruits that he's entitled to from the marriage. And since he's entitled to use it, if it got diminished in value too bad. So we say, you're right, the Rav Nachman plea. Rav Nachman would argue on this, uh, and he would say that that is not considered, that he would not have to pay her back because that's considered ordinary use, it's like peros. So it's a machlokas Rav Nachman and Rav Kahana. Okay, fine. Um, so we said we said earlier in the Mishnah that the three three women in Ma'enes are in an island as Einlam Ksuba. So so the Gemara says Einlam Ksuba Amr We didn't learn this Elamana Masayim. When it says she forfeits the Ksuba, it only means the one hundred or two hundred. Tosefes Yeshlehem, but she gets the Tosefes. Why? Tosefes is the amount that's added on to the Ksuba on top of the Mana Masayim. So Rashi explains because we learned earlier in the Masechta that that uh, the reason he does Tosefes is because he's looking forward to. To, to to being with her and, and for for uh, the the is chibas bia the fact that he's looking forward to sharing intimate relationship with her that's why he agreed to give her that extra money so the way we're understanding is that that extra money was a gift was not a ksuba was not something that chazal were masakin so if he obligated himself to pay extra money while chazal said that you could get out of this marriage without a ksuba that's only for the amount that chazal imposed on him. But for the added amount that he contractually committed himself, which would be the Tosefes, that he still needs to pay her, even if Chazal were forfeited her ksuba. Tanya Nami we learned this way also in the Bible. 
Ainlam Ksuba, women women that the Chacham said they don't have a Ksuba, that they use a Lashon Ainlam Ksuba, Kigon Hamim Ma'anis Vachavrusaha, like Hamim Ma'anis and her friends, meaning a Shnia and Ailanis in our Mishnah. They don't have Manamasayan, but they do have Tosefes. So we see a Brysa just like the Allah we just said. The Brysa continues, But women that the Chachamim use the language, not that that they don't have Ksuba, but which seems more significant in saying they go out without any form of Ksuba whatsoever. A woman who is over on the Das of Chachamim, we learned a little while ago, there's a woman who doesn't cover her hair. The Chavruseha and, and her friends, which was a reference. Uh, Rashi says that a woman who has Nadarim, or she had Mumin, she has uh, uh, blemishes, or someone who curses her children in front, uh, I'm sorry, curses curses in front of him, curses his parents. Those kind of women, Ein Lahem Tosefes, they don't have Tosefes, the Koshikain Manu Messiah. And they for sure don't have Manu Messiah. So our case in the Mishnah, when it says Ein Lahem Ksuba, says they don't have the 100 or 200, but they do get Tosefes. But those women who are really bad women, they forfeit not only the Manu Messiah, but they also forfeit the Tosefes. Now, new thing, uh, that if a woman uh, goes out of a marriage, Mishum Shemra is basically because it came out on her that she was Mizana, that she had illicit relationships. She takes what's in front of her and goes, and we understand that to mean that she can take her Nechzei Milug, the property that's hers, she can walk out with that. But the Nechzei Tzombarzo, for example, the amount that the husband committed to pay her at the end, the set value, that she doesn't get because she's basically getting kicked out of the marriage. So she loses her Ksuba, she loses her Nechzei Tzombarzo, but her, but her, but her Nechzei Milug, the property she brought into the marriage and is supposed to walk out of the marriage with, those she can walk away with. Misayele Huna, this statement that we said that, uh, that she takes what's in front of her supports the statement of Rav Huna, Dama Rav Huna, Rav Huna says... Zinsa, if a woman is mezana, lo hivsida blaosa kayamin, that her, her leftover uh, clothes or things that are kayam, um, those, those things are not forfeited. We're now in Ahmed Beis. So basically it's saying if a woman is mezana, she's not, she doesn't forfeit her, the, the, the things that she can take and walk away from the marriage right in front of her. Tani Tana Kamedra of Nachman, someone was learning a Bryce in front of Nachman, Zinsa hivsida blaosa kayamin. That if she was a Mizana, she does lose those worn out clothing. So Amrle, Rav Nachman said, if she was Mizana, Keleha Mizanai, were her clothes or her property, did they perform Znos? So he says, no, Tani, you should learn, Lohiv Sida Blosa Kayam, that she does not lose it. Uh, so Amr Rabbar Rukhana, Rav Yochan Rabbar Rukhana says, you're right, Zu Divi Rabbi Menachem Sitimasa, that these, this that said that she loses it, was Rabbi Menachem? That if she is mezana, she doesn't forfeit her right to the worn-out clothing, to the or to the nixemi look that she could walk out of the marriage with, even though she was mezana. So she can't collect from him the things that ordinarily a man would have to pay his wife upon divorce because she was mezana. But what's there and what belongs to her, she can take and walk out of the marriage. Okay. So now we said in the beginning uh, uh, in the Mishnah, we said that if. If a man married an islandist, knowing that she was an islandist, then she does get a ksuba because the whole reason that she didn't wouldn't get a ksuba is because he says, "Had I known, I wouldn't have married you." But if he knew and he married her, then she has a ksuba. Am Reb Huna, said, "Islandist isha ve'ni isha." An islandist sometimes is a wife and sometimes is not a wife. Amana isha gemura, but an amana is always a wife. What does this mean? Islandist, an islandist, a woman who can't bear children. Isha ve'ni isha. She's a woman. She's a wife and not a wife. Sometimes a wife, sometimes not. When? Hikirba, if he knew that she was an islandist, yesh ksuba, that she has a ksuba. 
Lo Hikarba, but this was the case in our Mishnah, the basic case, if he didn't recognize that, that she was an islandist, ain't lo ksuba. Then she has no ksuba because he didn't realize and it was a mekach tos. Before but, uh, I'm sorry? Before the wedding. No, in other words, that if he gets married to her, but he didn't know that she was an islandist, then, then, he, then it's a mekach tos. He doesn't, I, I think he doesn't even need a get, if I'm not mistaken. In other words, at that, at that point, an islandist, it's a mekach tos, the, the marriage is bottle, and she does not get a ksuba. But if he knew going in that she was an islandess, then he has to pay the ksuba. Amana, but in Amana, Isha Gemura, she's always a wife. Bain Hikarba, Bain Lai Hikarba, Yesh Ksuba. Because whether he knew that she was an, uh, an Amana or not, he still has to pay her the ksuba. So that is the halacha of Rav Huna. Rav Yehuda, Rav Yehuda says, Achazu, Achazu, Isha Veina Isha. It doesn't make a difference that uh, in each case, it totally depends on whether they knew. Hikirba, if he recognized in her, whether it's he recognized that she was an islandist or he recognized that she was an almana, yesh laksuba. If he married her despite that, they have a ksuba. Lai hikirba, if he didn't recognize it, ain't laksuba. There is no ksuba. So the basic difference between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Huna is, does a Kohen Gadol, I'm sorry, does a, a Kohen Gadol who married an almana always pay ksuba or does he only pay the ksuba if he knew and accepted her as an almana, but, had he, but if he didn't know, we would say he doesn't pay the ksuba. So the machlokas Rav Huna and Rav Yehuda. So Meisvei, we're going to ask a kasha on Rav Huna. Kansa becheska shehikain. If he married her in the chazaka that she was in almana, v'nimtzei shehikain, and it turns out that she in fact was in almana. Yesh laksuba. She does have a ksuba. So we see that that if he knew for certain that she was in almana. Uh, and he married her anyway, yesh laksuba. So the implication of that is hastama, but if he just married her, not knowing whether or not she was an amana, he could assume that she was not, and therefore if it turns out she is one, ain laksuba. So the implication would be that if he didn't know that she was an amana, she does have a ksuba. So this would be opposite of Rav Huna's opinion, because Rav Huna said, regardless, she loses the ksuba. So the Gemara says, lo, Tema, you should say it, hastama ain laksuba. In the case of stam, where he didn't know whether she was or wasn't an amana, she has no ksuba. Ela how should you learn it? Kansa If he took her into the marriage assuming that she was not an Almana, meaning that he thought he was allowed to marry her, and it turns out that she is an Almana, meaning he's not supposed to have married her, the Kohen Gadol, Ein Laksuba. In that case, there would be no Ksuba. Avalstama, I'm sorry, Ein Laksuba, she had no Ksuba. So he's answering the case and saying, no. When is it saying that that Ein Laksuba is only if she misled him? He said, are you an Amana? She said, no. He got married. And then she says, oh, wait, I am an Amana. In that case, ain't Laksuba. But in a case where he knew beforehand, or just a Stam case where he didn't know anything, uh, that we would say that he has a Ksuba. So the Gemara says, Avostama Mai. So what are you saying? That if it will be a Stam case where he just didn't know, Isla, you're going to say she does have a Ksuba. If you're right, though, that a Stam case means... Uh, that, that he has a ksuba, adatani becheska shehikain, venimsa shehikain, we just learned the Bryce has said, if he married her with a chazaka that she was an amana, and it turns out she is an amana, yesh laksuba, she has a ksuba, if you're right that stam also has a ksuba, lishmi'inan stama, tell us the case of stam, the koshikain ha, and if you tell me that in a case where he doesn't know whether she is or isn't an amana, he has to give her a ksuba, then for sure, when he knows she's an almana, he has to give her a ksuba. So if you would have told me the middle case of Stam, I'd have known the case of, of, uh, of where he knew already. So that is not, so that's a question on Ravuna. It's saying, if you're right that Stam works that way, why would the Brisa only address the case where he knew? Let it address the case of Stam, and I'll know from that also the case where he knew. Um,
then a second cash on Rav Huna, Tani, we learned in a Brisa explicitly, if he took her into marriage knowing that she was an Amana, and it turned out the way people knew that she was an Amana, she has a Ksuba, but if he took her in Stam not knowing whether or not she was Amana, and it turns out that she's an Amana, she has no Ksuba. So we see explicitly, the first one was an implication, and the second one explicitly, we see a Brisa saying, like Rabbi Yehuda, which is, it depends whether or not he knew. If there's no such thing that the Kohen Gadol always has to pay Ksuba unless, he, uh, unless, unless she totally misled him. So uh, we therefore have to say, Tiyufta Derevhuna, uh, that this is a Tiyufta and Ravhuna, and Allah is like Rabbi Yehuda, that it depends on whether he knew, whether it's an islandist or Kohen Gadol. Whether it's an islandist or Amana, that it depends on whether he knew. Now the Gemara is going to go on and say, Ravhuna wasn't crazy. Where did Ravhuna get this idea from that there's no distinction by Kohen Gadol? Ravhuna Masnisen Itasehu that Rav Huna got confused by our Mishnah. Who suffer? He thought, me to come maflik by islandist, but like come maflik by almana, because in our Mishnah, if you take a look back at the Mishnah, it says, if a man marries an islandist knowing that she was an islandist, then yesh laksuba. Then proceeds to say, all those cases, almana lekoin gadol, grusha vechalutza lekoin hedit, all those cases, it doesn't distinguish by those cases. So Rav Huna looked at that and said, from the fact that the Mishnah distinguishes by islandist, I see that there's a distinction by islandist. But all those other cases, there would be no distinction. Uh, so the Gemara says uh, uh, that that since our Mishnah made the distinction by islandist and didn't make it by Amana, that implied that there's no distinction by an Amana and whether or not uh, he knew he still has to give her the Ksuba. Below he, it's not true. Kikatani la la amana, I plucked the islandist kite. When we learned amana, it was going on, the, the distinction we made between an islandist that said whether, it depends whether he knew or not, the same distinction applies to amana l'koin gado, grusha v'chalut l'koin hedit, all those, if he, if he uh, knew that she was that status, then he has to give her ksuba. But if he didn't know, meaning stam, if he, if he assumed that she was a, uh, not Naman, or you assume that she was not a Grusha or Chalutza, and it turned out she is, then in that case, he would still need to, um, I'm sorry, then in, in, in that case, if he knew, uh, he would need to, he would need to he, I'm sorry, if he knew, he would need to pay the Ksuba, but in other cases, he would not need to pay the Ksuba. Hadronach Amman and Nizonis. Okay. Hanosias Isha, this is a very interesting mission. Hanosias Isha, a man, a man marries a woman, uh, I'm sorry, a woman, a man marries a woman, Upasko Imo, he makes a deal with her, Kadeshi Yazan as Bita Chameshanim. That he, he makes a deal with the woman and says, I'm going to marry you. I'll deny that you undertake to support my daughter for five years. You're going to give her food and drink. And he says, fine. So the mission says, that uh, he needs to support her. He needs to support the daughter for five years. Let's say the wife married this guy, made the deal for five years to have to support my daughter. Then he went and married. Uh, she got divorced and she married another guy. And Upaska Imo, she made a deal with him and said, And she says, I'll marry you, husband number two, as long as you support my daughter for five years. He says, fine. So, that he also has to support her for five years. Now, it's saying, The first guy can't say, That I was, you know, I was saying, as long as she's married to me, I'll support the daughter. Uh, but once she's gone, I don't have to support her. The Gemara says, no. That uh, he has to bring the mezonos for the daughter to the place where the mother is. So basically, you now have both husbands, her first and second husband, are supporting the daughter. Uh, are supporting the daughter? Why? Because this was a contractual obligation he undertook on the side of marriage, and the contract was not contingent on whether they stayed married. 
So maybe these two guys will get smart and they say, look, the point was the daughter should be supported. We'll come together and say, uh, we'll, between the two of us, we'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. The mission says, nope. One gives her actual food. And one has to pay her the money that, she, that he would have had to pay for food, basically because these were separate contractual obligations. They both uh, exist. Now let's say this girl who was getting supported by two of her mother's husbands gets married now. So now Habal knows in Ramazonos, her husband gives her Mazonos, the Hain knows in Lot Mazonos. Both of those husbands of her mother need to pay her Mazonos on a monthly basis. Mesu, let's say these two guys who were paying her die. Binosehan, their daughters, meaning the people who died, their daughters in Mizonos and Minachas they can only collect their Mazonos that they're entitled to from their father's estate from uh, free properties. He, but this girl, because this was a, a separate uh, obligation, uh, she can even collect, so she's better off than those people's daughters themselves because she's a creditor. Like she's a, like a balaschov. Now the Mishnah finishes and says, these guys seem like they're a little messed over. So they say, mm-hmm. smart people, when they would agree to such a deal like this, they were right. I'll get married to you, Almanas, that you're going to support my daughter for five years. As long as you're married to me. But if, you, if you're no longer married to me, I'm not going to support your daughter. So that's what smart people would do. Right,